millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a good Monday morning, Birds fans. And I mean that both literally and figuratively. You have Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Not a Mac and Mac affair. Our buddy John McMullen is uh, taking the transit back from the Mile High City, hopefully with a smile on his face, because most of the rest of the Delaware Valley has just that after an Eagles victory over the Denver Broncos. Jeff Kerr in uh, McMullen's stead today as my co-host. Jeff, I was writing some notes before the show started, and the word that jumped out of me was impressive. The Eagles have four wins now. They get with the victory to four and six. But for me, this was easily the most impressive win of the year. How about for you? Yeah, I think so too, Jody. And the one thing I wanted to see out of this game was how the quarterback would play against a good pass defense and one of the better run defenses in the NFL. And, he torched them in the first half. I mean, they didn't even need to throw the ball in the second half because of how well Jalen Hurts played and the lead that they build. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, the first half stats speak for themselves. 15 of 20, 176 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and there were two drop passes in that first half. And I said to myself, I'm writing my halftime analysis for CBS. I'm like, this game's over. I, they're going to win this game. I, I didn't see the defense blowing it. I didn't think Teddy Bridgewater was going to make that much of a difference or – yeah, they're getting gashed against the run, but if the Eagles keep building this lead, it wasn't going to matter. Well, then they had the obviously the the forced fumble on fourth and one, and Darius Slade took took it back, and I'm like, well, the Eagles are going to be four and six. That was the big play of the game. I'll give the block punt its proper due. Nice play by Kayvon Wallace, just blowing in there and getting his hands on it. Block uh, field goal attempt, excuse me, uh, was huge as well, but the slight play ends up being the biggest play of the game which oh by the way and i was on cbs sports radio at the time um that was one of the lamest attempts at a tackle i've ever seen in my life teddy bridgewater just basically running near him not even making an attempt to put an arm out and see if he could get his eye on him i know he's not the first quarterback starting quarterback in the national football league to pass on trying to make a tackle but every single time that happens it just bugs the snot out of me because these are football players and they're supposed to be able to play football, which includes tackling Teddy Bridgewater. I don't want to demean what Darius Slade did, but it was almost humorous, his attempt at a tackle. Oh, it was hilarious. And here's the thing, Jody. When you go into a locker room and try to explain yourself to a team, oh, by the way, you're still kind of fighting for a starting quarterback draw job over Drew Locke. You are not an entrenched starter. You're not Tom Brady here. You... You have to try to make that play. He 
that was a business decision by Teddy Bridgewater, no doubt about it. And his lame excuse for it after the game was I, – I, I forget the exact wording of it, but he just basically said, like, you know, he pulled up or something like that. I, I, I forget how he said it. I got to get the quote from Troy Rank uh, from uh, one of the Denver Broncos beat writers. And it was just – it was just a lame attempt and just signifies how much Teddy Bridgewater actually cares about that football team going for. I mean, you have to make that play. I don't care. It was a seven point game at that point. Yeah. He's, he's not even going to make the play. You have to make an attempt at that play. He didn't even make an attempt. And Oh, by the way, if the roles were reversed, I guarantee you Jalen Hurts is going all out to try and make a tackle because he's just that kind of a football player. Another game of him making effective runs, a 31-yard burst at a key juncture of the game, uh, which is always going to be part of his game, which is an added advantage the Eagles have over a bunch of different teams in the National Football League. But the thing that impressed me most yesterday about the Eagles starting quarterback was his accuracy. That's the biggest complaint that we hear about Jalen Hurts is, yeah, he can make nice plays. Yeah, he can create things out of the pocket but he misses open receivers. He's got guys that he can get the ball to, and he just doesn't put it on him. And not going to be good enough because he doesn't have his accuracy. He's pretty damn accurate yesterday. Completed 70% of his passes, some of them uh, outrageously good throws, one of which fell as an incomplete. And remember, you got to factor these type things in. The best throw that he had all day was the Quez Watkins, who had gotten behind the defense, and he put it on his hands. He, it wasn't even a play that he had to extend all that much, and he just flat-out dropped it. But that was a phenomenal throw, which goes down as an incomplete. I think he was more accurate with his passes yesterday than he has been all year. Yeah, I agree, Jerry. And the one thing I really liked about Jalen Hurts yesterday was, did you happen to notice he was going to his left a little bit? He was feeling himself a little bit, just going – just taking a couple steps to his left, something we haven't seen him do early in the season. He was just hitting throws on the money. And keep in mind, he didn't have Dallas Goddard most of this game. After Correct. Dallas Goddard had, had that catch, it, he was out. And so you're down to you're basically your third string tight end and, you know, Jack Stoll. Tyree Jackson didn't play much. I mean, Zach Ertz is gone. So, you know, if you're looking at the start of the season, you're thinking, oh, wow, the Eagles are going to be in major trouble here because Devonta Smith's your only receiver. But the way they were running the ball yesterday – it didn't seem to matter, and I love what Nick Sirianni is doing with this football team right now. He is not hiding this quarterback, not at all. He is just taking a lot off this quarterback, which is helping him in the process. Another shocker yesterday was the fact that Jason Kelsey missed a play. Jason Kelsey missed a play. Jason Kelsey never misses a play. He plays – guys go down around him, to the left of him, to the right of him. The Eagles are always short on the offensive line. Well, not Jason Kelsey. He plays every single play. Goes down on the field. Oh, my God, what did he do to himself? This could be a significant injury. He goes to the sidelines. He's back in the next play. That's Jason Kelsey. But just the fact that he had to miss time in yesterday's game was probably one of the only downsides of his good and eagle game as we've had this year. Only him and Joe Tooney uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, um, they got the highest percentage of snaps played in the NFL over the last, I think it's four years. I got to remember that stat correctly. It's either three or four years. But those two have played a lot of snaps. And, you know, Jason, I, I did laugh when Greg Gumble did say about Nate Herbig snapping. But, well, it was ground ball to short. And, and, of course, Jason Kelsey comes right back into the game. I'm like, oh, okay, wasn't it major? And you know what, Jordy? I, I was starting to think in that fourth quarter, I think the Eagles were – Starting to feel the altitude a little bit there. You know, you saw Fletcher Cox go down for a bit. You saw Darius Slay go down for a bit. But they were coming right back up. And, you know, I think the same thing was with Jason Kelsey. I think they were 
you know, playing three hours in that altitude. I've never been to Denver, but I've heard plenty of stories from people just walking. I don't know how you play a football game there all the time if you're not used to that. And I got to give credit here where credit is due. I've been somewhat critical of uh, the Eagles defensive coordinator, uh, Jonathan Gannon, who to me has been a little bit too dug in with his heels on his overall attitude about how they play defense and the bend but don't break philosophy and don't give up the big play but potentially die the uh, cuts, thousand cuts, death. Um, he was a little bit more aggressive. Not that they brought the blitz all that much, but uh, the defensive line, which needs to be able to get there with just the front four, did just that yesterday. Derek Barnett, another guy whose case I've gotten on pretty good of late, uh, did get a sack and was a good sack, uh, way deep in the backfield sack, minus 14 yards type sack. Of course, he took two stupid penalties, which is always Derek Barnett's want, but they did get pressure with just the front four, I know it only ended up in being one sack, but Teddy Bridgewater was hurried. He was doing a lot of check down Charlie stuff to people underneath. I think he only completed two passes over 14 yards all day. Nod to Jonathan Gannon and the Eagles defensive front that got there against. Yeah, we knew it. And that's one of the reasons why I picked the Eagles. Uh, started a week. Tough spot. Denver coming off that impressive win against the Cowboys. Got to go out there playing the altitude. I was looking for a reason to try and pick the Eagles, and I was having trouble finding it. We had a buddy, uh, Brandon Cristal, who covers the Broncos for KOA, their uh, home radio network out there, and he said could be a little bit of a letdown game, and he told us how banged up their offensive line was. And I said, all right, that's enough for me to hang my hat on. That's why I'm going to take the Eagles. Eagles did take advantage of the fact that uh, Kansas City was down a couple key starters on their offensive line. Yeah, Jody. Um, you know, I, I knew Bobby Massey was banged up. I wasn't sure how serious the Garrett Bowles injury was, but it was serious enough where he couldn't play. I'm like, okay, they're they're down both their starting tackles. Uh, Dalton Riser, who's a really good left guard for them, he was a little banged up. And, you know, Denver had a lot of injuries going into this game. And then they had the COVID situation with Pat Shermer. He, obviously, he couldn't call the plays. I think it was Mike Shula who called the plays for Denver yesterday, uh, the quarterback's coach. So I'm thinking to myself, okay – yeah, I'm kind of liking the Eagles in this one. I thought Jonathan Gannon was going to be a little bit more aggressive, and he was. And I actually made the the funny tweet yesterday. I'm like, boy, Jonathan Gannon's defense sure looks pretty good when Justin Herbert isn't back there slinging the ball, and you know, and Teddy Bridgewater was. And I think that's what it is. I think this defense is going to have its fair share of success against bad quarterbacks, and you know. They're going to see that a little bit this week with Trevor. Now, Trevor Simeon has been playing a lot better than Teddy Bridgewater has. He certainly isn't the reason the Saints have been losing football games, but they seem to be missing something there without Jameis Winston. Then it gets easier. Uh, Daniel Jones twice, uh, Taylor Heineke twice, whoever the Jets quarterback is, is going to be. I'm assuming Zach Wilson's going to be back. No more of this Mike White should be the starter uh, debate anymore. Uh, it's maybe Joe Flacco, who knows, but. Yeah, it, the path seems to be a lot easier for the Eagles going forward, and it's at least who quarterbacks are facing, and starting with Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm not going to be surprised if the defense keeps up this run of success. I mean, 13 points yesterday, Jody. 13 points. It was an, a pretty solid effort across the board, including big plays like our boy Mr. Slay uh, coming up huge at big times. Uh, I think we've given proper credit to both the offense and the defense. And the special teams, because of the block uh, that they got on the uh, field goal, they did fill Jonathan Gannon's uh, overall defensive uh, philosophy out 
Ben Badone break five trips into the red zone and only came away with a couple of field. That's pretty damn impressive when you get a turn, couple turnover blocked uh, field goal and a uh, turnover. Yes, that's going to add up and uh, give you the results that you want. Uh, Hurts certainly, with the way that he played, put a couple of his Hurts haters on the back burner. And there's one other group I do want to address, and this one I, I feel even more strongly about uh, than I do the Hurts haters, and that's the Devontae Doubters. When the Eagles made their move on draft day to move up and get him at number 10, Howie Roseman had played the draft moving game, I thought, to a T. Trading down, adding a first-round pick, but then jumping back up to get who I thought was the best wide receiver in the draft this past year. Yes, yes, I know what the kid is doing in Cincinnati. Uh, over the long term, I still have faith that Devontae Smith will be as good, if not better. The whole... How can he play in the NFL at 163 pounds and sopping wet with a rock in his pocket? I, this is the guy we moved back up for. He's not going to be able to withstand the rigors of the National Football League. I thought it was just such a lame narrative that, all right, he, he doesn't fit the prototypic size of an NFL player. You can't have a quarterback unless he's six foot three, 225. You can't have a wide receiver unless he's six foot two, 200. Stop. Judge the player. Look at what he does on the field. The kid only won a Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver. He's going to be able to step up. Everybody gets hurt in the National Football It's inevitability. He hasn't been hurt at all. He was hurt in the preseason, which gave us a little bit of pause, gave those Devontae doubters something to sink their teeth into. See what I tell you, 163 pounds. He can't play in this league. The touchdown pass that he, he caught yesterday against Patrick Sertan who probably would have been a Philadelphia Eagle had not the Denver Broncos taken him where they taken him. He went up mano a mano. Sertan is bigger, more physical, stronger. Who came away with the football? Devonta Smith. So please uh, feel free to, if you were a Devontae doubter, to at least admit to yourself, if not to Jody McDonald tonight on WIP, um, that, yeah, this kid looks like he's going to be a player, and it looks like. Howie Roseman, who we all get on his case, and how he deserves the criticism that he gets when he does botch things. But he gets them right, too. He has made some really smart moves, and the one thing he does, maybe better than anything else, is play the draft game of moving up and down and around. His move for Devontae Smith right now looks like borderline genius. The Philadelphia Eagles have a number one wide receiver, Jody. They have a number one wide receiver. That's all I got to say about this. And i know this from the day they drafted him, Yesterday was everything the Eagles thought they were getting in Devonta Smith, a guy who could win the ball, a jump ball, one-on-one against – by the way, Patrick Sertan is really good. He's been good all season long. He has basically been to the Broncos' defense what Devonta Smith has been for the Eagles' offense, and Devonta Smith beat him, and that's his college teammate he beat. That was an impressive play. And the one play caught on third down, I think it was like a 15-, 16-yard game. It was like on a slant, Jalen Hurts looked – Rolled to his left a little bit, look for him. That was a great play as well. Uh, four catches, 66 yards, two touchdowns in the first half. He was as impressive as impressive can be. In his last two games, he's been very good for this football team. I think you're going to see a lot more of this in the second half of the season. He's starting to come into his own. Things are starting to get a little easier for Devonta Smith, as with the good rookies. I mean, you know, Jamar Chase got off to a, hard, to a hot start, but – He's kind of cooled off a little bit. Uh, maybe teams are playing different. I don't know. Devonta Smith, that guy studies. 
He works. He, he, you know, he said he, what, he goes to the Novacare complex at like 6.09 in the morning or something like that. He says he has to go in the same time every day, which is kind of insane. But, hey, you know, it, that's what the great players do. And, you know, he has a quarterback. He trusts. Uh, you know, this guy has played in big moments. He's played against SEC defensive backs. He knows how to succeed in the NFL now. And we're seeing it. He's a number one wide receiver, and they need him to be with this cast of characters that they have. And, oh, by the way, we didn't see the All-22. We don't get to see the coaches' tapes. I guarantee you, from the mid-second quarter after Devontae got his second touchdown grab, and the second one was much easier than the first one, wide open in the back of the end zone. Good route by him, good read by Hurts, good delivery of the football. Oh, I guarantee you that Vic Fangio's defense, all right, we're not going to let him beat us. Maybe somebody else can beat us. We'll see if Jack Stowe can beat us. We'll see if Quez Watkins can catch a long. Oh, we almost caught it, but he didn't. Uh, we'll see if Jalen Rager. No, do I even want to bring that name? No, probably. Let's leave Jalen Rager out of this victory Monday. Uh, we'll see if other guys can beat us. I guarantee you he was getting doubled and bracketed the whole game. That's why he didn't do much in the second half. And I think that's just another credit to Jalen Hurts. You can't force things. And if Devontae's not there, you know it. I know it. Jalen knows it. Every Eagle fan knows it. His preference is on any given snap. Let me see if I can get the ball to Devontae. Uh, but if the defense is going to take it away from you, then you got to have faith in your teammates. You got to go elsewhere with the football. And they did just that. And one quick nod before we get up our first guest, our buddy Paul Domwich, uh, writing for Philly Mag these days. Uh, we'll hop aboard and help us break down the Eagles and the Broncos. Um, a, a tip of the hat to Nick Sirianni. Uh, even after their win against the Lions, even after staying competitive and being a last-second loser to a field goal, which the offense had nothing to do, the defense let him march it down the field for six minutes and take everything but five seconds off the clock before kicking the go-ahead field goal. I, I still didn't think Nick Sirianni had brokered the perfect balance on offense. He went from being overly pass-happy to, I think, overly run happy the win against the Lions and even last week. Now, they were teams that you could absolutely run the ball against, so I wasn't critiquing or criticizing how heavy he went to the run. But I just pointed out that he hasn't struck that perfect balance yet of run and pass. He pretty much did that yesterday, Jeff. Um, did run the ball, ran the ball effectively. Both guys, uh, Howard and Scott, getting their fair uh, amount of carries. Jalen taking off and making plays when he needed. And it wasn't a 14-pass attempt type day. They allowed the quarterback to make some plays and shine himself. I think he struck the perfect chord, did Nick Sirianni, on his play-calling balance yesterday. That was his best coach game of the season, Jody. And honestly, Nick Sirianni has coached his football team well enough, at least on his side of the ball, to win their last three games. Uh, that's how good he's been. And, yeah, was it an unhealthy run-pass ratio the last two weeks? Absolutely. But – the way the Eagles have been running the ball, who could blame the guy? And, you know, in the first half, he said, all right, we're going to tone it down on the run a little bit. We're still going to run. But guess what, Denver? You're going to play man coverage against my guy, Jalen Hurts. He is going to beat you. And once Denver switched and went the zone, I knew it. Nick Sirianni was going to run the football down their throats, and he absolutely did in that second half. That's why Jalen Hurts only had three pass attempts. He tried one play in zone coverage, one where he – Got a little overly aggressive. Ball was tipped, picked off. Uh, more of a great play by Sertan than anything else. Right. But still, 
Once they went to zone coverage, Nick Sirianni said, all right, here comes the ground and pound. Here comes Boston Scott. Here comes Jordan Howard. Yeah, you want to take away your run for Jalen Hurts, that's fine. You can't stop these two. And in the first half, you're playing man coverage. Jalen Hurts recognized man the entire way, through the air, on the ground, was able to put up over 200 yards of total offense by himself in that first half. Nick Sirianni knew what he was doing with this quarterback, and he's starting to have a feel for this quarterback. And I hate to tell the Jalen Hurts haters out there, but – I think Nick Sariani is figuring out how to u- how to utilize this quarterback, how to win with this quarterback, and how to develop this quarterback, which is what you want to see with this franchise. Now, will Jalen Hurts be the quarterback next year? I don't know. I don't want to talk about that right now. But he is getting better the last three weeks. He's one of the best red zone passers in the NFL. Yes, go look it up. I'll even tweet the stats for you later. But Nick Sariani is knowing how to win with this guy. He doesn't need to – Jalen Hurts to throw the ball 40 times a game. He really doesn't even throw 30 times a game. But he has a healthy run-pass ratio for this quarterback. It is working. The formula is working. They are scoring points. If their defense can get a couple stops in there with their second-half schedule, the Eagles could be very dangerous going forward. I won't go so far as to say Howie Roseman took all the notes that he took on Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell and threw them away after the game probably just moved him down a little bit in his drawer but for those of you who've already decided that Jalen Hurts is not the man oh he's gonna question that over the last half of the second half of this season and he's gonna take a shot at being the Eagles starting quarterback going forward all right then coming up next our buddy Paul Dunwich doing some work these days Philly Mag gonna hop aboard help us break down the Broncos and the Eagles right here on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. 
go for the game. Go for the hit. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. It is a Monday victorious edition of Birds 365. Jeff Curran for John McMullen. Jody Mack here with you. We add a third expert into the inside of the Birds victory over the Broncos yesterday. That would be Paul Domwich uh, doing some work these days for Philly Mag. Also, the 33rd team. Have I, I've not caught you there yet, Tomo. Uh, how much uh, work have you gotten in with those guys? What did they task you to do? Um, I'm writing a couple times a week. I do a power rankings for them uh, early in the week that appears on Tuesdays. And then they pretty much give me my choice of any kind of, you know, feature news of the day trend type of piece for later in the week. You know, I did a piece on the evolution of the running quarterback, uh, you know, things like that. So uh, a look previews of the draft. So it's been, it's been fun. Very nice. Uh, well, then I got to go here. How many uh, notches are you planning on moving the Eagles up in the power ratings after yesterday's victory? You'll just have to look and see. <laughs> I was going to ask you who number one is. Oh, I don't even know who the best team in the NFL is anymore. Absolutely. I'm moving them ahead of Tennessee. There you go. Well, hey, they won yesterday. <laughs> and it, it must have win, even though Saints didn't have Kamara. But, hey, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's tricky leagues, Paul. It really is. Tennessee is impressive because – yeah, you know, most of these teams you look at their who they played. If you find one or two winning teams that they've beaten, it's a, you know it's a, it's it's unusual. I mean, Tennessee's like six of their wins are against teams that were in the playoffs last year. So I mean, there's no questioning the legitimacy even without uh, Derrick Henry of that team. They so matched. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, they matched an NFL record yesterday, Paul. Um, so the 2003 Eagles were the only team in NFL history to win five consecutive games against playoff teams from the prior season. Tennessee did that. I, I mean, that's that's championship game level stuff right there by Tennessee. They just keep looking better and better every week. Absolutely. So I'm going to have to ask you to power rank someone else. That would be yesterday's opposition. Uh, Broncos got out to a quick 3-0 and start. They were beating up on teams that at the time you questioned. Now this many weeks later, you can still question. They took advantage of an easy early schedule. Then they dropped four in a row and you said like, Okay, well, this is really what the Denver Broncos are. But then they went in and beat the Cowboys 30 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. And the Cowboys got a couple of, oh, by the way, touchdowns. I, I wasn't 100% sure what kind of team Denver was when the Eagles got on the plane to fly out to Denver. And I'm still not sure what kind of team they are, even after the Eagles win yesterday. How would you rate Denver as a win for the Eagles coming off yesterday's victory? Well, it's one of, you know, you, you, I'd give it more credence than the Carolina win. Uh, although, you know, both, I mean, they clearly benefit when they don't play a really elite quarterback. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> obvious. Uh, and they'll get that opportunity again this week when they go against uh, Simeon. So, I mean, that benefits them, but you know, I mean, Denver's, they've got a good running game. I thought, I thought their run defense would, 
would do better against the Eagles run game than it did. And the fact that it didn't is, is, is a credit to the Eagles, you know, to, to their offensive line, to their run game, to their play calling. Um, you know, I mean, besides, yeah, besides beating the Cowboys the week earlier, they also beat Washington, which didn't seem like a big deal until Washington goes out, you know, yesterday and, and picks up a big win. So it's a crazy league right now. Well, what is your, evaluation been of Nick Sirianni over the past month it feels like he's starting to figure out this head coaching thing a bit yeah yeah I mean he's clearly from the play calling standpoint uh he realizes you know he's kind of I think he's starting to figure out what people do best what he needs to lean on um how much pressure he needs to put on on Jalen Hurts and how much he doesn't you know I mean clearly they've they've decided you know we're going to run the ball uh, last three weeks, they, I think they've rushed for something like 600 plus yards, uh, averaging five yards a carry in those three games. Until Denver, they were going up against run defenses that weren't very good. That's why yesterday's game kind of meant a little bit, had a little more significance to me than the previous two. Now, we'll see again this week. They're going against the New Orleans defense that's first in the league against the run. So you would assume they're not going to be able to do that, uh, that they're going to have to mix it up, that that Jalen Hurts is going to have to be able to have some success like yesterday, but probably having to throw the ball more uh, than he did yesterday uh, against the Saints next week. So that game probably will be a big test for them. Damo, I want to ask you about the Eagles' number one wide receiver, as Jeff said in the first segment of the show. Eagles have a number one wide receiver. We don't always get a chance to say that, but we can say it now. Uh, quantity over quality, quality over quantity yesterday. Only four catches, but uh, two touchdowns for Devontae, and the first one was a thing of beauty. Um, how good can this kid be? Can he be a top five wide receiver in the National Football League? Boy, it sure does look it. Uh, you know, if he can stay healthy. I mean, that was the only question about him coming coming out. You know, I mean, everybody looked at the body and said, can he hold up to an NFL licking? And so far, so good. I mean, he doesn't take many hard hits um, because nobody can catch him uh, or he gets down. I mean, that first touchdown the, on the 50-50 ball was just amazing. And then the, the route he ran for the second touchdown, I mean, he just let that guy, you know, standing in his dust. Uh, you could see the chemistry developing or, well, it's not developing, it's already there, but between him and, and Jalen, I mean, that's his go-to guy right now. Uh, it was. I was curious yesterday what was going to happen after Goddard left the game with concussion because you know it's been Devonta and, and and Goddard and maybe if if you know if Denver had been able to to keep this thing close and he would have had to throw more and then they would have been able to focus on Smith. It might have been a more difficult game, but you know that 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 fumble uh, and fumble recovery for a touchdown by Darius Slay kind of just ended things. Well, there was a play yesterday, and we all want to talk about Quez Watkins' drop. I looked at it after the drop. Jalen Hurts just kind of told him, it's all right, don't worry about it. You know, uh, that's one of the things I really like about this kid. It, You know, that was a perfect throw. Jalen Hurts could have did what many quarterbacks in this league have done. Aaron Rodgers is one of them where you just chastise the player. No, instead, he just basically put his arm around his shoulder and said, don't worry about it, it's all right, we got this, and – I, I don't know. I thought that was of all the good plays Jalen Hurts made yesterday. That might have been his best one. Yeah, I mean that's you know the more you see him, 
the more you realize the leadership skills this guy has and the uh, respect he has of his teammates, you're right. I mean, I got some, I got, when, when I tweeted that that was, you know, impressive, uh, how he went down and sat down with uh, Watkins after that and consoled him and told him to shake it off. You know, I got, I got a lot of tweets back. Uh, well, every quarterback in the league does that. Well, no, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> And some great ones don't do it, including Tom Brady. So, I mean, it's not that you have to do it. I mean, Tom Brady's kind of a tough love approach. But, you know, Jalen Hurts is a second-year quarterback. And uh, Quez Watkins is a second-year wide receiver. And he handled it just like it needed to be handled. Now, Adamo, I don't want to be the wet blanket on a victory Monday. But there is a, an issue that we got to start to touch on. Last week prior to the game, Miles Sanders on social media kind of uh, put it out there. He's back. He's ready to go. Um, wasn't activated for the game. Wasn't even eligible to be activated because yeah. they put him on IR and I had to wait the three weeks. But he is eligible to be activated this week, and we expect him to practice with the Eagles this week because I don't think Miles would make something like that up. The one-two punch of Scott and Howard has been phenomenal the last couple of weeks. It has reduced Kenny Gainwell. Got a couple of plays, a couple of touches yesterday, but he is certainly the third back on the rotation now. There's not room for four backs. Miles Sanders is going to need to be fitted in here or fitted out of here one way or the other. While we praise Nick Sirianni for having maybe his best game as head coach on the sidelines, he's got a little bit of a sticky wicket he's got to deal with this week. How's the Eagle running back rotation going to look going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's clear. I mean, they need those. You know, Scott and Howard give you that power uh, between the tackles that even Miles doesn't give them. I mean, Miles is a guy – He'll deny it. And, and he can run between the tackles. But as we saw when he was a rookie, I mean, every, he prefers to get it outside. That was the way it was at Penn State. And it's, that's where he excels here. Uh, they're not going to carry four on, on the active roster on game day, which leaves Gainwell as the odd man out if you're going to make a move. You know, Gainwell made a costly mistake yesterday. He was I, I'm not going to say he was responsible for that interception, but he missed he missed a he missed a protection that caused that interception. Uh, Jalen was still the one that threw it, underthrew it after uh, the guy was in his face. But, you know, that G Gainwell's snaps have gone down because of the fact that they're focused more on running than throwing to the running backs right now. Uh, it kind of depends on what their game plan is next week. I mean, maybe, maybe they realize we're not going to be able to pound the ball 40 times and they sit Boston Scott. Uh, I know that would be a tough, you know, that would be tough for Boston to take, uh, but they've got to make a decision on how they're going to play uh, against New Orleans. If I had to guess, uh, Gainwell might be the odd man out next week. Well, my biggest worry about this team right now, at least in the passing game, is you lose a guy like Dallas Goddard. Someone has to step up. I, I mean, Jalen Hurts did, but outside of Devonta Smith, there wasn't really a guy that Jalen Hurts could go to outside of him. I mean, Quez Watkins did get open. The guy gave him the credit for that, but dropped the pass in the end zone. Uh, you know, I guess it has to be him going forward, right? What, Jack Stoll? I mean, come on, Jeff. <laughs> Tyree Jackson. <laughs> Actually, I think someday Tyree Jackson is going to be a, 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 a threat that people are going to have to deal with. But you're right. I mean, typically in a situation like this is when you use your running backs which goes back to what we just talked about. If you sit down Gainwell, you, then you, you still have Sanders. But, I mean, Jordan Howard and Boston Scott are not guys that are going to run, uh, you know, uh, that you're, you're worried about as, as pass receivers. 
So, I mean, that's the dilemma they face, which kind of comes down to how you think you can beat New Orleans as far as what makeup. But they've got – I mean, that's the one thing we haven't seen a lot from with Jalen. He, he doesn't seem to favor using his running backs uh, as, as receivers uh, with the exception of an occasional screen. I mean, there aren't a lot of checkdowns. Uh, I don't know how much of that is him, how much of it is the play calling as far as uh, looking that way. I mean, I've seen times in the – over the uh, last several games, not so much yesterday, but when Gainwell's been in the game, he's usually always open. And the guy can catch you – know, he's as good a, uh, a young pass-receiving back as you're going to find, which is why it would kill me to sit him down if I were if I were Nick Sirianni. But uh, that's, you know, that's why he gets paid the big bucks. A buddy of mine, John Kincaid, uh, had a tweet yesterday that said, um, if this Howard guy could have cracked the lineup earlier – uh, the Eagles could be in a better position. Criminal negligence. No, it wasn't. If it's criminal negligence on the Eagles, it's criminal negligence to all 31 other NFL teams because you're sitting out there for anybody to sign. And the Eagles said, all right, we'll find a practice squad spot for you. And yes, uh, because of circumstances, because of his hard work and his abilities, he's gotten his shot. He's making the most of it. He's helping the Eagles win football games. Uh, this is a uh, give Jordan Howard credit thing rather than question anybody uh, thing, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, he just stepped up when he got the chance here uh, this time. I think also the circumstances of, of their strength blocking wise, it just seems to be a good fit right now. I mean, he's not doing anything fancy. He's just ramming it. They're, you know, they're giving it to him and he's ramming it right up the, you know, up the middle. Uh, you know, Jason Kelsey's probably playing his best football. Uh, so, you know, it, it's yeah, I, I, I don't I don't blame anyone. I credit Jordan for stepping up when he got this opportunity. Yeah, Paul, there's one thing I noticed watching Sunday night football game last night and even during the Eagles game. It, it feels like you don't need that home run hitter. Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders. Uh, you can win with Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Darrell Williams. Uh, we saw last night. Um, Derek Gore, guys like this. It, it seems like now, at least in the league. You don't need, and it's been trending this way for a while now, but you don't need those big-time running backs. You really don't need Ezekiel Elliott to win you football games anymore. Yeah, and that's why you don't see too many uh, running backs getting second and third uh, big contracts. Uh, you get the most you can. And that's why Miles Sanders is a little bit miffed right now because he can he sees the writing on the wall. I mean, they used him a lot his, you know, as a rookie. Uh, but in the second year, but he, you know, he knows that there's probably, especially with Gainwell, if Gainwell continues to uh, uh, play well, the, the mile, they're not going to pay, they're not going to offer Miles Sanders a whole lot when he comes up for a second contract. All right. Uh, I want to give some credit on the other side of the ball as well. Uh, Jonathan Gannon and a couple of decisions that he's made. Uh, we oftentimes make a big deal about how the Eagles use their players and how much influence does Howie Roseman, a.k.a. the front office, have on that? Well, they did go out and sign Eric Wilson as a free agent linebacker during this offseason. And the guy came in here and wasn't getting the job done. He borderline was stinking out the joint. And they flipped their linebackers. Alex Singleton, who played very well last year, was struggling early this year. Boom. In comes Edwards. In comes Davion Taylor, which, yeah, I'm sure Howie Roseman didn't have a problem with because that was a little bit of a reach pick of his, but the kid is contributing, including causing the fumble on the biggest play of the game yesterday. I'll give the nod to Jonathan again in there because 
he was p- going to play the best players. And it seemed to me like he didn't care how the Eagles got him, how they got into an Eagle uniform. I'm going to play the guys that give us the best chance to win. And right now they're getting much improved linebacker play. Yeah. I mean, he's tightened things up schematically a little bit. Uh, they played more press coverage yesterday. Uh, they're moving people up a little bit. They're still The concept is still the same. They're not, they don't want to get beat deep. Uh, but clearly teams were picking them apart underneath. What you know, a guy like Taylor with his speed at linebacker gives them a guy who can get to the tight ends, who can get to the running backs, can get to those guys who are being thrown the ball underneath and and prevent the yards after the catch, assuming he makes the tackle. And you know, to Davion Taylor's credit, he's he played well yesterday. I mean, not just the the forced fumble, but I mean, he was getting to people, he was tackling them right after they made the catch, preventing first downs. I mean, that's what you want from – I mean, that's why you brought a guy with his speed in so he can he can prevent those yards after the catch. Uh, so I, I got to believe Howie Roseman is just tickled pink over the – because, I mean, because I was ready to say this was a major mistake. I mean, Davion Taylor didn't seem to be very instinctive. Uh, you know, played 24 games at Colorado after not playing in college or, or as a freshman or sophomore – and never forced a turnover. I mean, in fact, you know what? Yesterday may have been the first turnover he's forced in his life. I'm serious. Uh, you know, because he didn't play high school ball because of his, uh, his parents' religious situation. Uh, went to Colorado, started 24 games, never made it, forced a turnover. So this might have been his first forced turnover. Well, one thing that concerns me about this defense is I, I just don't see that outside of Darius Slay, that guy you can really, I don't want to say build around, but that there's not a lot of stars on this team. Like Josh Sweat can be, Davion Taylor can be, but there's no bona fide. Fletcher Cox is getting old. We got a minute here. Right. And there's a lot of guys on this team where you're just like, okay, where are they going to be going forward? Yeah. I mean, that's, I wrote about that this week, guys. Uh, you know, it's good. This defense is going to have to be, you know, every, everybody's focused on the quarterback and rightfully so, because it's so important. And, you know, if Hertz turns out to be the guy, it's a, it's a big lift for this team because it saves them using those three picks next year on, you know, investing in a quarterback of some type, but the defense is going to have to be completely rebuilt. Uh, they're just, I mean, it, it's old injured, uh, not good enough. I mean, there's a lot of guys that just need to be replaced or will be replaced, including Fletcher Cox. I mean, he played well yesterday. Uh, first time we've even seen him probably since the Carolina game. Uh, made a couple big plays, uh, both in the run and, and and rushing the passer. But, you know, they need linebackers. They need more corners. They need safeties. I mean, Rodney McLeod probably won't be back. Uh, Derek Barnett, you know, he's on the first train out. Um, you know, Brandon Graham's going to be back, but he's 30, going to be 34 years old, um, coming off a major injury. So anyway, long story short, I mean, they just, they've got to almost completely rebuild that unit over the next year or two. Along those lines, um, we're seeing some guys step in and at least give them a little something, something like, um, Davion Taylor. Is Teron Jackson going to get any kind of a shot here between now and the end of the season? Are we going to be able to get a better read? I don't think he get a perfect read because I don't think he's going to take over and start and get 60 snaps a game. But can we get a read on him between now and the end of the season? I think the Eagles the last couple of weeks have shown they're going to give their young guys a little evaluative uh, run here so they can get a look and maybe even take advantage of it. Um, is that going to happen with uh, Mr. Jackson? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the circumstances are going to are going to determine a lot, Jody. I mean, if they say they go out and lose next week, uh, that might make them conclude that the playoffs probably are a lost cause. Um, so they might start giving guys like that more snaps. If they don't, then you're if they beat New Orleans next next week, then they're back to uh, you know playing guys that they think they give them the best chance of winning from week to week. So, and, and right now, I don't know where that puts Teron Jackson. Paul, when you look at this schedule, I know you mentioned playoffs here. Is it possible with I, – I mean, they got to drop a couple teams, but they have a tiebreaker over Carolina. Um, they have the tiebreaker over Atlanta, which I don't think is going to go anyway. But it seems like Carolina and Minnesota are really the only two teams that are standing in their way right now. Yeah, and, you know, you look at what's happening in the league, Jeff. I mean, from week to week, you know, you used to be able to sit, look at you know, at this point in the season and say, okay, this team's going to – pretty much has an easy path to the wild card, no, no catching them. You don't know what's going to happen right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if these guys catch lightning in a bottle, if they start playing like they you know played yesterday uh, over a longer period, if, if Jalen Hurts continues to progress, uh, they've got a shot. I mean, it's a, you know, not a great shot, but I mean, I, they certainly uh, are going to, you know, it's not a situation where they're going to have to look towards next year if they can keep winning. Man, uh, I've already seen some debate on my Twitter and other outlets where uh, Eagle fans get to chime in and comment on our stream here on Birds 365. Is it better for the Eagles to be going forward and being in a playoff race? I think they actually can make. I had the Eagles winning eight games. Yeah. And with the way the NFC is playing, 8-9 is absolutely going to be in the mix for that last playoff spot. Maybe not get it, but in the mix for it going into the last couple weeks of the season. Or would they be better off just playing guys like Teron Jackson, as I mentioned, uh, for evaluative purposes when this year? You, see, I guess it all comes down to the quarterback. If the quarterback plays well and kind of keeps you in abeyance of making a decision, yay or nay, doesn't ball out but doesn't stink either, I guess he kind of directs the whole – is it better for the Eagles to be winning games or is it better for the Eagles to be losing games? Think does it not? If they, if they keep winning games, I would, I think we can make the assumption that Jalen's been playing well or, you know, so I I don't see any, I, I, you know, I I never see any benefit to losing for a higher draft pick or especially now that they have three of them, that doesn't really, I mean, they can let other teams lose, uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I think it benefits all these young guys, including Jalen, including Davion Taylor, if they're in a, uh, you know, a down-to-the-wire game, every game counts type of pressure situation than it would if, you know, if this thing goes off the rails and you just play a bunch of young guys. Well, does it benefit, though, a team like a, a young Eagles team and specifically Jalen Hurts, though, if they would happen to make the playoffs, even if they're a seven seed? We saw what the seven seed did yesterday. Mm-hmm against one of the better teams in the NFC in Dallas. Does it benefit this team to go and in, go into a playoff game as a seventh seed, even if they might get the doors blown off? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it would help his development. It would help. And, and plus, you know, he, he's such a wild card as a quarterback that if they make the playoffs, defending him becomes such a difficult and, and you know, you, some team, you know, team may shut him down. I mean, we saw that with, 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 with how uh, Miami defended uh, – Lamar Jackson this uh, last Thursday night. I mean, they they sent DBs blitzing on, on like nearly half half the uh, pass plays. Uh, teams are going to start to 
come up with ways. They're st- you could sc- sort of see it now with Jalen. They're flushing him out to the right because he has a tendency to always want to go there. And then they have somebody waiting so that he, you know, a lot of, t- he, a lot of his yardage came on, on uh, runs yesterday when he was able to get around the corner. But anyway, you're seeing teams kind of devise ways after with the more film they see on him to try to stop him. Uh, sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. Uh, but, you know, you get to the playoffs with him. It gives you he it helps him and it certainly makes it, it it puts more pressure on a defense because they haven't seen a quarterback like this. All right, let me get this on the record before Eagle Nation gets really mad at me. Um, I'm on CBS Sports Radio while the game was being played yesterday, and our reporter from Denver checked in at the end of the game a couple minutes ago, and they said he said uh, the Eagle fans were giving a tutorial to the Bronco fans on how to sing. Fly Eagles fly. So it was a major contingent of Eagle fans in Denver yesterday, and they enjoyed themselves and celebrated well. But now they come home, and Eagles are 0 4 at home, Damo. 4 2 on the road, but they're 0 4 at home. I'm not putting this on Eagle Nation, but they haven't been in attendance for a win yet this year. Uh, just the coincidence that the beatable teams where it fell on the schedule that the Eagles are actually won four games on the road and are 0 4 at home, or is there something more to it? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's just a coincidence, Jody. Uh, you know, the, they go three and out on the first drive Sunday, they'll be booed, but they know that. I don't think it has any effect on their play, uh, it doesn't put any more pressure on them. I think it just uh, happens to be the way that the Cards have fallen as far as winning on the road and, and not at home right now. Uh, Paul, so we got to talk a little bit about the Saints game. Uh, I think this is – I don't know what to make of this team. Like, you know, they beat Tampa Bay. They lose to Atlanta. I still don't know how they did it. <laughs> they don't have Alvin Kamara. And yet the quarterback has actually played well. I, I yeah. don't understand the Saints team right now. Oh, by the way, they have a good defense too. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are – I mean, that, that, you know, everything in this league comes down to the quarterback. Uh, and so, you know, but with that team, you take Kamara out of the mix and it's a different story. You know, they can, they got to be praying or getting their voodoo dolls out right now and hoping that Kamara has one more game with that knee injury where he's not able to play or they feel they can, they can win without, without uh, risking him re-injuring it. Because, I mean, he's such a, especially against this team. I mean, we've seen the linebackers have trouble underneath chasing these people, you know, chasing guys with his kind of speed, uh, running backs and tight ends. And uh, so you take him out of the mix. I think it makes them clearly more beatable, but they are, they are an enigma, but they have such a good defense. It's carried them so far. Uh, you know, you're not going to run on them like we talked about earlier and they, they, they really, they're past, you know, they get pressure on the quarterback. So uh, they're, they're tough to score points on. Damo, last thing, uh, when do we need to uh, go to uh, 33rd team uh, to get the new advanced Eagle power ratings? Where did you have them last week? I know you're not going to tip your hand and tell us where you have them now, but what number did you have them last week, and when did you, do you uh, uh, come up with them all for the league? I believe they were uh, 23rd last week. Uh, they'll be out. The new ones will be out tomorrow morning. Very good. That's we'll good. be on the lookout for it. No, by the way, not a great week for the Eagles draft picks. Uh, Colts won, Dolphins won, Eagles won. They all dropped back a couple of hours. But, hey, any week that the Eagles week is a good week as far as we're concerned here on Birds 365. (laughs) Damo, great stuff. Uh, We'll certainly reach out again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for hopping on with us today.
Thanks for having me, guys. Paul Domwich, uh, phillymag3013.com, uh, here with us on Birds 365. All right, uh, you're truly and Jeff Kerr going to come back. We still got more to sink our teeth into as far as the Eagles win over the Broncos. And then we got a good guest next hour as well. One of our favorites. Haven't had him on since the season started. It's been a good couple of months by Trey Wingo, a name you should all recognize, NFL insider for years, free ESPN, host of the draft, doing a whole bunch of different things these days. We'll get Trey Wingo's insight up up to week 10 in the National Football League, including the Philadelphia Eagles in hour number two of Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doctor. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Thanks for jumping aboard with us here on Birds 365. Jody Mack with... Jeff Kerr, he's in for John McMullen, who's winging his way home from Denver as we speak after the Eagles' 30-13 victory over the Denver Broncos. J.K., uh, in talking to Paul Diamond, which we did actually have, quote-unquote, the playoff conversation, which there's still a long way to go. Um, the Eagles are on the outside looking in 
but they're not so far outside that you go, yeah, the Lions are still, they're not mathematically eliminated. Although oh, you're I did. giving me a segue right now. Go the ahead, Lions go for it. lost this month, Jody. <laughs> uh, have you seen the breakdowns of uh, the Detroit? They can be eliminated actually next week with either a loss or a win by this team That's or that thing. Isn't it? It's already, we're in what, week 11 and they're already talking. In the NFC, Jody, in the NFC. Yes. Uh, so the Lions are still mathematically involved in the NFC playoff mix. Yeah, that's not the Philadelphia Eagles. At four and six, they're only a couple of games behind the final wild card spot, a game and change. Uh, shoot, Carolina's in and they would get a tiebreaker against Carolina. And the other team that's in is the Saints, who they play this week. Be nice to get a win over them as well. Should we just table that? Or are we obligated as media members and people who care about the outcome of the Philadelphia Eagles games and seasons? Is this something we should be talking about? I think you kind of have to talk about it because it's a fact. I, I mean, you can argue with all you want. Oh, There's a playoff team. Well, yeah, in normal years, you're probably right. But the Falcons aren't good. The Saints are beat up. I mean, the Saints are better. I, I thought it went from – the top five of the NFC, the top six after Saints beat Tampa Bay, what do they do? They lose two in a row. Now that the Eagles beat them, they are right with the, the Panthers. They're right with the Falcons. They're right with the Vikings. They're right with the Eagles. And the Eagles will have tiebreakers over two of those teams. It's I still think the Vikings are going to get in. I mean, that was an impressive win over the Chargers yesterday, Jody. I think they get in overall. But I'm looking at it as, okay, should we talk about it? Yes, because we're obligated to. They are in a playoff mix right now. But are they a playoff team in normal years? Probably not. But that, that's just how the NFC is. The AFC coming into yesterday had 11 teams over 500. Now there's only, I think, nine maybe. But still, that's a lot for one conference. One conference is going to have three or four teams that should be playoff teams and aren't. And the other conference is going to have two or three playoff teams that probably aren't playoff teams, but they're going to get in. And here's where I want to uh, put my emphasis on the fact that the Eagles are in the playoff mix. Nick Sirianni has gotten them there because he's come under a good deal of critique and criticism. And yes, when he goes down the road of we are a plant that needs to grow and fertilizer and everything else. And I end up rolling my eyes. I go, I've been backing this guy since day one when everybody crushed him in his opening press conference. I cut him some slack because it was the first time he had ever stepped into that big a spotlight. And I think he was nervous and he didn't handle it well. But I said, all right, fine. It wasn't a great day for him. I'm going to much more judge him on what he does coaching the team on how he sounded or the answers he did or didn't have day one in his press conference. I've been giving this guy uh, the benefit of the doubt since day number one. And he's not made me regret that at all, even with his sometimes goofy sideline stories and the like. You got to say this about the Eagles, even at four and six, they play hard every week. The guys go out. I have not seen one uh, iota, even in the blowout wind or blowout games that they've lost. The Cowboys beat them up pretty good. Tampa had a big lead on them. They fought their way back. I never really thought they were going to win that game, but at least they, they gave you the effort and fought back. Kansas City, they kept moving the ball. They couldn't stop the Chiefs to save their life, but they kept moving the ball. The Eagles have not let up at any point in any game through the first 10 games this year, and I think that's a big credit to Nick Sirianni. I think so, too. Um, 
another thing I'd like to point out is with this team, even in the blowout losses or the losses where the defense wasn't, you saw guys kind of take their shots at Jonathan Gannon. How many shots have you seen taken at Nick Sirianni this season? Not many. Um, you know, the quarterback definitely hasn't. Um, the wide receivers definitely. I mean, Jalen Rager could easily come out here and say, Nick Sirianni is not playing me right. But that doesn't help Jalen Rager. And, it, you know, in, in a way, we blow it off. But no one has said anything about this head coach. Um, really anything egregious. It's You're right. They play hard for him every single game. It's They play to the final whistle. They're Look, you, yeah, they weren't going to win. They weren't going to beat Tampa, but they get to stop the quarterback and that offense has a chance to upset them. And it's the same way with LA. The defense gets to stop. They probably, I'm not going to say they beat them, but they have a good chance. They have an opportunity to do that. And that's how the, this team is getting better week by week. It's the talent wise. They're probably not a four and six football team, but they're beating teams that are around or near their talent level. And they're losing teams that are better than them. Uh, you know, Kansas city, Tampa, Bay, San Francisco is probably the only loss where you're like, okay, maybe Nick shouldn't have lost that game, but that was his second game coach in the NFL. I guarantee you they play San Francisco. Now they, they like before with them. They just do. So I'm looking at it as this team is getting better. The schedule's getting easier. And, a lot of that has to do with the head coach. He just seems to week to week. He seems to kind of adjust his game plan, kind of know his opponent a bit. It's a nice refreshing change for what this football team has endured the past couple of seasons. That's not a knock on Doug Peterson, but it is different to see a head coach kind of, okay, we're going to change it up a little bit this week, just because of the opponent we're facing. We're not going to do it my way or the highway. All right, JK, I got uh, Damo's take on this. I need yours. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As well, because as we sit here and give credit to Nick Sirianni and uh, point out what has gone right with this football team this year, and I think he needs the credit for that. He's got a tough call this week. Uh, Miles Sanders seems to be ready to come back and rejoin the team. He did say on social media that he was back. Uh, It was impossible because of the uh, IR status, three games. He couldn't be activated, couldn't practice well, he is eligible to practice, and they don't even have to put him on the roster until right before the game, as a matter of fact, because you've got a window to give a guy practice time uh, up until the game time when you're going to reactivate him. Assuming they do, I guess they can push it and say, yeah, we didn't love what we saw in practice. Or They're not forced to activate Miles Sanders this week, but he kind of forced their hand by saying he's back. 
on social media last week. If he's good enough to go and he looks good in practice, and yes, the Eagles media will get to see the limited amount of practice that they do, and maybe they'll get a glance at Miles Sanders and be able to give an opinion as to whether he's ready to go or not. Four backs do not go into three roster spots, and we know we've been the three the last couple of weeks with Howard and Scott running the ball as effectively as they have. Kenny Gainwell becoming less of a factor than he used to be. Miles Sanders was the starting back, the lead back on this football team. There's a reason why week one, he was the guy and Jordan Howard's still on the practice squad. And uh, Boston Scott was getting DNP coach's decision, not getting any carries or any plays on offense whatsoever. How will they handle the three backs into two uh, roles as far as uh, handling the football and getting a chance to run it? Uh, it's probably one of the bigger issues that the coaches had to deal with so far this year. How's it going to play in the Eagles running back room this week leading into the game against the Saints? I think the tough decision would be to reduce Boston's got snaps. And I hate to say that because Boston's got has been kind of a breath of fresh air for this team, but I think you need kind of a, a thunder and lightning approach. And maybe that's what Nick Sirianni does to stop the number one run defense in the NFL to get some yards off them. I think, Miles Sanders can provide that lightning. I think you still make him the number one running back, and you got to tell him you got to run between the holes, and you'll get your big plays. And you know they'll probably have some more explosiveness there. But then you give Jordan Howard the ball, the battering ram, and you know unfortunately that's just the way the way it is in the NFL. Boston's guy's been very effective. You know they still need him for special teams, so I think he plays a role there. Maybe he gets a little more carries than he did at the beginning of the season when Miles Sanders was playing, but I think I would do the old Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard combination and you mix in Kenny Gainwell on some pass. But I, I think Gainwell snaps are going to go down too. I, I think it's going to be mostly Sanders and Howard and maybe the spell Sanders a bit because I, I mean, I know they got by week in what three weeks, I, I guess it is now it, it, it's coming up, but you know, maybe you put in Boston Scott there to kind of give Sanders a break on the possessor too, but he's uh, again, it's, uh, I think it's going to be Sanders and Howard going. All right, uh, so now with all the advanced wagering menus we have these days, I'm going to run one by you. Most carries by an Eagle running back in the first half of the game against the Saints. The second half, the score and the time and everything else may dictate specific decisions that the coach is going to make, but you come in with your game plan before the, the game starts. They even map out plays. They adjust that too, but sometimes they actually run it down the exact way they think it's going to work out. Who gets more first-half carries, assuming that Miles Sanders is activated, which I think is a pretty good assumption. Um, Miles Sanders or Jordan Howard? Who gets more carries? Because you said Jordan uh, Miles is the number one back, which would indicate he'd get more carries in the first half. You think that's going to be the case? Yeah, I think so. And I think they owe it to Miles Sanders to do this. Look, they've been committed to running the football the last three weeks. I think they owe it to Miles Sanders to see if he can be a part of or maybe even enhance what they've been doing, run the football. You know, the explosive runs that Boston Scott Jordan and Howard probably could have had, Miles Sanders would have. And again, this is more and we know Miles Sanders likes to break it to the outside. We know he's not a between the tackle runner. But if he does run straight up the middle, He's going to get those big plays, and I, I think that actually makes this Eagles offense better. I don't know what the Eagles don't don't like about Miles Sanders. I don't know if it's because he can't catch the ball, which they don't really throw a lot of plays to running backs anyway, a lot, at least not the Kenny guys not named Kenny Gainwell. 
But I'm looking at it as I think they need to see what Miles Sanders can do when they do pound the ball. And it's going to be a tough task this week because they are playing a really good Saints run defense. But I, I, I think he does get the most carries this week, Jody, at, at least for this week. We shall see. Uh, I hope you're right, but I, I'm not sure that you are because Howard has really helped the Eagles to their two wins in these last three games, and I don't know if they're going to go away from them. Um, Boston Scott's been good too, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to minimize what Boston Scott has contributed, but uh, to me, Howard has been the bigger contributor of the two, and I don't think they're married to either one of them, and I don't know how married they are to Miles Sanders either. So it's going to come down to basically what the offensive brain trust thinks. And that, of course, is led by Nick Sirianni going into this game. Um, probably have to do a little bit more work as to what running has been effective against the Saints. Has it been between the tackles? Has it been on the edges? And uh, whatever it is, hasn't been all that effective because Saints are one of the better defenses in the National Football League. But uh, the running backs the Eagles have certainly do have styles and where they are more effective. So that may very well factor in. All right, let me ask you about another questionable, sorry to say, aspect of the Eagles offense going forward this week against New Orleans. And that's if Dallas Goddard isn't good enough to go. He took the shot in the head yesterday. Um, he's probably going to end up in concussion protocol. But that doesn't mean he's definitely out for this upcoming game against the Saints. It's a wait-and-see thing, and we'll probably find out a little bit more uh, later on today uh, when we hear from Nick Sirianni. My guess would be he's not going to commit to anything, uh, but he may give us a little bit more information. Assuming Goddard is not good to go, Jack Dostal went in yesterday, caught a couple of passes, short passes, no run-after-catch passes, made a couple of grabs. Um, and, and Johnny Mack is down there in practice all the time. And he's told me that Jack Stoll has looked good. I have not seen it yet. Um, I know that they think highly of Tyree Jackson. That's why they kept him on draft a free agent, converted quarterback. Howie Roseman felt the need to mention his name on the day that they traded Zach Ertz, that that was one of the reasons why they did. They wanted to open up playing time for some of their young tight ends. And Tyree Jackson, I know for a fact, because John was not the only one who said it. A bunch of the Eagle guys that we got on said the same thing, that, man, he's oppressive, just physically look at, and he's got athleticism, and he's made good plays in practice. That's all it was in practice. Um, so the Eagles are now all of a sudden kind of short at the tight end position. Yeah, they can't get Zach Ertz back. He's not coming back. Sorry, guys. So it's going to be stole, and it's going to be Jackson. Did the Eagles make a mistake by trading Zach Ertz? Well, not at the time they did it. Uh, they, you know, did they get much for him? No. But I don't think they actually – look, they, they had to believe more in Jack Stoll and Tyree Jackson. I, I don't think they made a mistake by doing it because I don't think Zach Ertz is going to come back anyway. So at least they got something for him. But, you know, you can't predict injuries. And at the time, what, what were they when they traded Zach Ertz? Were they two and four – two and five? I, I, I'm trying to remember what they were when they – when they actually traded Zach Ertz. So it was after the Tampa game. So they were two and four. So, you know, it, this didn't look like, I, I, especially in the NFC, it didn't look like it was going to be, the seventh seed was going to be what it was. It'd be nice to have Zach Ertz this week, but he's not here. So I, I don't think they made a mistake, Jody. I, I honestly don't. I, I think it, you know, they just got to roll with the punches right now. And if they really like Tyree Jackson, I think they'll play him more. And, you know, Jack Stoll. He's one of those guys, I, you know, I haven't seen it either. You know, I, I'm not like McMullen. I'm not down there. But, 
He didn't look like a guy Jalen Hurts was all that comfortable throwing to yesterday. He's definitely comfortable throwing the Dallas Goddard. And he's, you know, Tyreek Jackson's barely played that. And I, I agree with Damo. I think he's going to make an impact in this team down the line. Maybe not in 2021, but he's definitely going to be a part of this team's future plans on offense. But it, it's a shame that Dallas Goddard may miss this week. I, I hope that's not the case, but... By the way, that should have been a penalty um, for how the hell it hit. I don't know why it wasn't called. Um, I digress. Uh, but it's a shame that no one really stepped up. I mean, and that's what I was kind of alluding to Dama a little bit. You know, yeah, Quest Watkins did, but he didn't finish the play. He didn't catch the ball. Um, they're going to have to go more 11 personnel, no more of this. They, they just don't have the personnel to go 13 personnel. So they're going to have to go 11 personnel. You're, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside got hurt yesterday, too. Um, so you're going – you're short at receiver as well. And I don't know how they're going to do this going forward. I guess they bring in somebody else. Maybe a better, uh, maybe our old buddy Richard Rodgers comes back, Jody. Who knows? That, that's where I was going next. Are we going to see the return of Dick Rod? Um, he did get elevated a couple of weeks ago. He's still on the practice squad. He's half on the practice squad. He's occasionally on the active roster. He is kind of the Eagles limbo tight end and give both he and the Eagles credit for keeping the relationship going. I thought at some point, some other team would snack him up, but Eagles have stuck by him for as much as they have. Uh, and he's stuck by them as well. I think he's got a better chance to actually make a play downfield. If Goddard isn't here, than either Stoll or Jackson at this time. Uh, now you get back into roster crunching again. Uh, how do you add him to the roster? I guess you would have to put uh, Goddard on injured reserve. And I don't think they want to do that if he's just going to be out this week. Uh, that's a challenge the Eagles have this week to make sure they are covered at tight end and be able to keep the roster intact. Yeah, I think Richard Rodgers would get promoted just in case, you know, kind of like a security blanket because you can do that. You can promote guys from the practice squad. I have a feeling – He's going to be one, and I, if I remember correctly, that's the last time you can promote him, uh, unless you have to put him on the active roster going forward. But again, if it's a concussion, it's probably only a week anyway. So, you know, that, you know, th th thanks to Rogers. I mean, obviously, we can't use you anymore the rest of the season. We hope that's not the case. But if a guy would get hurt for the rest of the year, then you would have to use him going forward and put him on. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Jody. I, I, I have more confidence Richard Rogers can make a play downfield than any of these two right now. And that, that's not a knock on Jack Stoll or Tyree Jackson. It's because Richard Rodgers was good for this team last year where it was Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts. He has that experience. Now, is he a good pass blocker? No, but you're not asking him to be either. You're asking him to be an added weapon in the backfield. He can play kind of like a hybrid wide receiver tight end spot. I still think this team needed a veteran wide receiver at some point this season. I know there's not a lot of guys out there right now, um, you know, but – Rashad Perriman, I, I'm not crazy about him, but he was there for the taking. And he's a guy you could have used. Um, obviously, he's on Tampa Bay's practice squad now. I, I think you need to get someone in there just because of the lack of depth at wide receiver and the lack of production Jalen Rager has been giving you. And injuries are going to take their toll in a 17-game season. We still got 17 games left, I mean, just seven games left to play here with a bye week. So, yeah, it, it's a tough situation they're in right now. I, I have – a lot of faith in this coaching staff, they can work around it, but this goes more toward the front office decision. Uh, wide receiver is definitely a position they're going to have to upgrade this offseason regardless. Offseason, yes, but we're dealing with the now right now, and the now is the, uh, the Saints coming up on Sunday. And I ran this by John last week, and he basically poo-pooed me, which I, I wanted him to if that's the way he felt. 
John Hightower is still on the practice squad of this team. And I know we're, uh, you got, you really have to pay attention to these crunching numbers. If you're going to elevate someone from the practice squad, uh, then that means somebody else has got to go. You can only have uh, X amount of players on the roster in any given week. You've got your active, deactive, but somebody's got to come off the overall roster. If you would add a guy, John, like John Hightower, I would have zero problem putting JJ Arcega Whiteside on IR for three weeks because, oh, God forbid they lose his blocking for three weeks. I forgot he was on the team until he got hurt yesterday. I, I, I know why he's still here because he was a second round draft pick, but he just doesn't give you anything. Not that Hightower is going to jump in and make five catches, but at least I, it, I think there's the possibility of him making a play downfield, or I think there's no possibility of JJ Arcega Whiteside making a play downfield. Am I just whistling in the wind here that maybe a guy like Hightower can jump in and uh, give the Eagles an assist? for a week coming off the practice squad? So I always have this fun stat about John Hightower I like to use because he has made plays in the past. You know, after week nine of last season, the most 40-yard catches in the NFL was John Hightower. Did you know that? Really? No. Yeah, isn't that something? And you know, Carson Wentz seemed to like him. I mean, he I think he, it was only like three, but he had the most 40-yard catches in the league at one point last season, his rookie year. And I'm like – hey, you know what, maybe this guy can be a nice little deep threat for the Eagles. And then he kind of disappeared and he's never reappeared. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the only route he can run or if he just doesn't know the plays. I I, I don't know, but that might be your option right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like McMullen. I kind of push it aside because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's on the team too. But if you're that desperate wide receiver and you think he's a better option than anybody that's a free agent right now, um, quote, he is. <laughs> so – yeah, I, I think that might have to be the guy. And I'm like you, Jody. Uh, they can put J.J. Ortega Whiteside on IR for the rest of the year. It's He's not a good player. Uh, I don't really care about his blocking. I know what he provides on special teams. I know special teams is important in the NFL. But this guy was a second-round draft pick. you got to contribute at some point. It's If I saw, I think it's – I think Devonta Smith actually passed Jalen Riker in career receiving yards yesterday, and he passed J.J. Ortega Whiteside in career receiving yards by week four. So that just tells me all I need to know about the Eagles wide receiver group right now. Exactly. Uh, if Dallas Goddard can't play this week, can't play next week, but they think he can play that third week, guess what? He stays on the roster. There's no IRing him. You don't want to lose a Dallas Goddard game. If J.J. Ortega Whiteside can't play this week, but maybe play, doesn't matter. J.J., Hop on that IR. Take those three weeks, buddy. little vacay for you. I'm not sweating his uh, removal from the lineup one iota. All right, coming up next, I have a spot I'm looking forward to because talk a lot about the Eagles, but even more specifically about Jalen Hurts and the opinion across the league of what he's done so far this season because the Eagles, let's be honest, have a big decision to make. Are they going to go in another direction at quarterback during this offseason? Are they going to come back with Jalen Hurts again and put off finding a potential quarterback for the next decade for a year? Or is Jalen Hurts the guy who is going to be the Eagle quarterback for the next decade? We're here every single day watching it, talking about it and the like. It's nice when you get an outside opinion, an educated outside opinion. And I believe we're going to get that coming up next. Trey Wingo's. Going to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. It is Jeff Kerr and Jody McDonald, your Third Street 65 Day guys on a victorious Monday show, which we've only had three others so far this year. Nice day at a fourth. And as I said at the top of the show, and Jeff concurred with me, get it? Concurred with me. Um, the most impressive victory by the Eagles this year, not knocking the win over the Falcons week one, not minimizing their win over the Panthers, who are still very much in the playoff mix with their big win yesterday to get to, to five and five and Cam Newton's illustrious return. That's one of the things I want to bring up with our next guest. Uh, Trey Wingle hasn't opted on yet. We're hoping he does so uh, in the up- upcoming minutes. Um, but that was a good, solid win. Yeah, they beat the Lions, but everybody except the Steelers beat the Lions. So I'm trying to keep that in its proper perspective. To go out to Denver, beat the Broncos after the Broncos did what they did to the Cowboys last week was pretty damn impressive uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So not only was it a win, it was an impressive win. And I want to get the uh, take on where the birds sit from our next guest. He told me he's going to be out and about walking. He's trying to get some exercise in and hopping on with birds 365 at the same time. You can see he's doing just that. Trey Wingo joins us here on birds 365. You get your steps in, huh, Mr. Wingo? Working on it, Jody. Working on it. How are we? We're doing well, as are the Eagles. Uh, don't know how much of yesterday's game that you saw. I just called it the most impressive win by Philadelphia this year. I think that's easy enough to say. 
how impressed were you? You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, obviously, there were there were one or two plays that tipped that game, and and Darius Slay's fumble really was was the difference in the game. Um, listen, it was a, was a good win. I mean, Denver couldn't have been higher than where they were at the time, coming off a beatdown in Dallas, almost shut those guys out at home and or at the Cowboys' home rather. So it was it was the it was by far the best one of the season. But you know, this is such a weird season, Jody. Um, one week somebody looks great, the next week they look terrible. This is this is a season um, that is very different than in years past, where we've had a couple of like super teams that have been good, you know, basically throughout the season. You don't really have that right now with anybody in the NFL. It's a week to week league. Right. You kind of brought my next point here. It, you know, you say it's a week to week league. We're not sure what teams are which right now. But yeah. kind of been on par. Like, when they were 4 6 after 10 games schedule, based on the way everything was going, they, they are what they are right now, right? I, I couldn't quite hear what you said there. Could you repeat that? Oh, so basically, the Eagles are 4 and 6 after 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. If you went down their schedule at the beginning of the year, you could probably predict that just based on week to week. They're like the one team that it just seems like they're consistently right now. They are where they are. Yeah, listen, Bill Parcells infamously said, you are what your record says you are. And I think that's still the most true thing in all of football, and especially uh, in this season. You know, it, you just – your record indicates where you are as a team. And, you know, we, we had uh, – we've had, uh, you know, for example, the Bucks. The Bucks yesterday go to Washington. Uh, the Washington football team had given up the most passing yards per game, and they'd given up the second most passing touchdowns, and – Tom Brady and the offense could get almost nothing done. And that's, you know, after they lost Chase Young in the first half. I mean, the NFL has found a way this season, more than most in recent memory, to sell on any given Sunday anything can happen. And and I think that's just the best way to describe most of what we've seen so far in 2021. Would tend to agree. Why don't you take on this, Trey, um, because I talked about it last night on my CBS Sports Radio show. Someone called and said they love what they have in the NFL right now because there is no big dog. There yeah. is no monster to chase. There's parity. They use the word parity in the yeah. National Football League. Some people think that's a four-letter word and think it's got <laughs> off when you never want to hear it. And others yeah. think, no, that means balance. That's a good thing. What is your take on where the league is at right now? Is it good not to have a big dog in the mix? Well, I think it is right now. Look, and, and for for most of the, the time that you and I have been covering the league, there have always been one or two teams, right? Uh, the Colts with Peyton Manning, we're going to be good every year. The Patriots with Tom Brady, we're going to be good every year. The, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, good every year. The Steelers with Big Ben, good every year. But those are the outliers, you know? Like, And, and I think we tend to focus on – those kind of teams and, and not understand that that's, you know, like 3% of the league or 10% of the league. And the rest of the league basically does struggle and go week to week. And what the NFL is doing right now better than anybody is it's selling hope, you know, Hey, you know, uh, one day uh, you can be the, the Cleveland Browns and look great. Then you can go to New Orleans and get your ass kicked. I mean, New England, you know, absolutely gets stomped. I mean, this is there. This is the most unpredictable season I can remember, and I, I think it's great for the NFL. I think we've had the most uh, games already through whatever week it is, week 10, that have been decided in the final minutes of o- regulation or overtime. I mean, every week you are glued to your seat. You have no idea what's going to happen, and the NFL is loving that. 
Trey, I got to ask you about Jalen Hurts uh, from a national perspective. Uh, you know, people I talk to say, hey, he's getting better. Um, you know, yeah. They're not going to sell him at the franchise quarterback ranking, but he's getting better. Uh, what have you been hearing about? Listen, he's he's fairly consistent. You know, that's the best way to describe it. He's fairly consistent. Um, and, you know, I, I, he still is – I still think he's a project. And I think that – you know, obviously they made the move from, from Carson Wentz because they believed they had something, but I don't think anybody knew at the time whether or not they could make a definitive statement one way or the other about it because there wasn't enough, you know, there wasn't enough data. There wasn't enough game material. Um, he's proven to be very effective in, in, in a couple of different ways, but, you know, there's still, he's still very much a work in progress. And, you know, there's, there's like three or four guys in the league that I know are going to be good almost every week and you no know, he's not there yet but he's 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 getting a little more consistent and I think that's the most important thing. Trey the last couple of weeks the Eagles have gotten improved defensive efforts their DC Jonathan Gannon believes in the bend but don't break philosophy. Yeah. They've bent a bunch and have gotten beaten by a thousand cuts a couple of games <laughs> but the philosophy yeah. surely worked yesterday against Denver. Can you win in the National Football League like that? Can you be an above 500 in a playoff team without big play capability on defense? Well, I mean, listen, I, I think the way the league is going and the league is legislated, that's the way you sort of have to play defense. I mean, the Patriots for years have found a way to allow people to travel up and down between the 20s and then sort of clamp down when you get close to the goal line. And I think that's the way you have to play defense in the NFL these days. You know, I mean, uh, the way the game is dictated, the way the game is refereed, the way the game is legislated, they want points. And, you know, we're seeing record numbers of, of audiences uh, responding to that. So I think the bend but don't break defense is absolutely the norm now in the NFL. And you want to, every once in a while, you want to come up with a play like Darius Slay did Sunday in Denver. And, and that's literally that turned that entire game around. Trey, we all know there are five really good teams in the NFC. And then it yeah. gets kind of murky with that six and seven seed. Yeah. And the Eagles get into the playoffs because of this scenario. And who is their biggest roadblock for getting? Well, I, yeah, look. I, I, absolutely, they can get into the postseason. Remember, just last year, the Bucks were seven and five after twelve games. They were seven and five, and they didn't lose after that. You know, and uh, literally no one, when they were seven and five, was thinking, "Yeah, they look like they're clicking on all cylinders." They found a way to get it together late. They got some players back, like Vita Vea, which was a huge return for them, uh, literally and figuratively. And uh, you know, they they got it going at the right time, and Tom Brady and the offense started clicking in a little bit. This is. Absolutely, the league where, especially this year, you're going to find some teams that you didn't think were very good in September, October, but come late December and early January, you might complain, think completely different about them because they found their rhythm. And I think the Eagles can certainly fall into that category and sneak into the postseason. Trey, let me ask you about something you touched on the legislation of the National Football League. My uh, opinion <laughs> over legislation of the National Football League. Specifically with one penalty, oh, that yeah. would be taunting. We saw another one again yesterday. Oh, had the big one on Monday night in the Bears-Steelers uh, yeah. game that the NFL doubled down on and fined the player after hitting him with a taunting penalty. Yeah, I think it's a joke. I think it's terrible. I think that because they made this something of importance when the season started, they feel the need to really push their referees to call this. 
I think it's a massive mistake. I get the philosophy behind it. You want to try and cut down on guys getting in each other's face and potential violence or whatever. That's not right. When was the last time we had a big fight in the National Football League? Trey, yeah. this is just dumb. I, is I don't the NFL disagree. Yeah. woefully mishandling this? I, I, well, listen, my good friend Field Yates, after the Monday night game, put out a tweet, which was hilarious. He said, happy Tuesday to everybody except the people that created the taunting rule in the NFL. And I, I, I kind of I have to agree with him. I, look, I understand what they wanted to do, but this has been a massive overcorrection. And you're right, doubling down on the Cassius Marsh thing was ridiculous. When he was hip-checked by a referee, Tony Carrenti hip-checked him. I mean, unless you're trying to tell me that I didn't see what I saw. Everybody saw it. Um, I don't understand. Well, there's two. Listen, it's not only that one. It's the roughing the passer, which has just gotten out of hand. I mean, uh, a bogus roughing the passer call completely changed the game between the Titans and, and the Saints yesterday. It nullified an end zone interception of Ryan Tannehill when he was grazed. And I've always wanted the sky judge approach, right? Because I, I know a former official who said to me once, he said, Trey, I thought when I was officiating, we did a really good job. And then I watched the games like everyone else watched the games. And I said to myself, we're terrible. Oh. And, what would, and what would really help them would be if they had a sky judge who watched the game the way we watched the game. Because it is unfair on some degree for them not to see what we're seeing, right? Like they're on a field level, they're a linear sort of view of the game. We see it from a treetop view from overhead and it's a completely different game and i really think the nfl would help their referees if they would just allow a sky judge to look at the game the way we look at the game i think it would change the way the game is officiated completely uh trey tom brady talked about the 17th game and he basically yeah. said I, I don't like it uh are you a fan of it are you a fan of football going into mid-january in the regular season uh mid-february uh for the super bowl well let me put it this way uh i I'm never going to say no to more football because it's my favorite sport. So, you know, I mean, for me, I don't care about basketball until the playoffs start, you know? I mean, hey, there's some cool regular season games and Christmas Day is fun and all that stuff. But, you know, really, call me when the playoffs start. So, for me, I have no problem with the 17th game. I do wonder about the long-term effects of, you know, because I, you know they're going to want to try and get to 18. You know that's coming. Um, and that'll be, have to be collectively bargained. Uh, listen, I think the players – begrudgingly signed up for it uh, because there was more money involved. And, um, uh, you know, I, I don't think it makes the football any better. I just think it makes the football longer, you know. And I, I'm here for the party going a little longer, but we're all going to figure out at what expense when, it, when, it's, when it's all said and done. All right, that sets up my next question perfectly. 18-game schedule in the National Football League. Two years from now, three years from now, or longer than that? You know, it, it really it really depends on the money, and I, it shouldn't. But, you know, in almost every situation, it does come down to money. Oh, yeah. And if the players feel like they can get enough to offset it. But, I mean, you look at the injuries that are just piling up on a 16-game season, let alone a 17-game season. I, I just don't know. what. And, and, you know, the NFL always says, well, it's a 20-game model. You know, four preseason games and 16 and three. And that that's a joke. Like, preseason games, come on, man. You know, a lot of those guys are just camp bodies and they're playing those games, and we all know that. So it's not, it's not like 17 and 3 and 16 and 4 and 18 and 2 don't all add up to 20. You know what I mean? It's, it's not the same thing. It's not real math. It's kind of like a salary cap. It's not real math. I have to imagine that eventually it's coming. 
Uh, but that's, you know, that's going to be something that, again, has to be bargained, and I'm sure the NFL will dangle some more money out there. They, the one thing the NFL does better than anybody, they make money, and they're really good at making money. Uh, Troy, one thing I wanted to ask you, too, with the 18th game is, do you think we'll see more overseas games as a result of that, or even with the 17th game? Do you think we're going to every team? I, I know right now every team, I think it's like once every eight years they got playing overseas yeah. games. we see more of that going forward? Well, Roger Goodell years ago said he wanted a, 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 a team based in London as quickly as possible. I, I can't remember whether that's 2012, 2014. He said that years ago. And uh, I know it's something they want to do and they want to grow the game. The problem for me is, you know, people will say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's the same flight going from the East Coast to London as it is going to Seattle. But it's not the time in the air. It's the time difference that is the problem. You know, like if you want to have a whole division that plays overseas and get get people from that, I think that would be fairer than having one team with the jet lag factor. I mean, that's a real thing for anybody that's ever traveled, you know? I mean, you know, you know that that's something that you have to deal with. And I, I think that that's something the NFL absolutely wants. I don't know how quickly uh, they're going to get it, but I know that's, that's something that has been a priority for Roger for a long time. All right, Trey, uh, I watched a couple of weeks ago my New York Jets beat the Tennessee Titans, yeah. and I got a little overly excited by it, and I go, well, maybe the Titans aren't that good. Five wins in a row later, four of them against yeah. playoff-quality teams. The Titans are the best team in the National Football League as of right now, my opinion. A, do you agree? And if you do, how? <laughs> well, what you just said sums up this season perfectly. The Titans might be the best team in football, yet somehow they lost to the Jets. I mean, that if, if you're going to say define 2021 in one sentence, that's the sentence, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's as, about as honest as you can make it. Yeah, right now they might be. The problem for me, and again, going forward, is they lost arguably the one player, not a quarterback, that means more to their team than any other player does to any other team and Derrick Henry. So... Uh, Mike Vrabel and company have done an amazing job. They've manufactured a couple of wins here, especially the one on the road uh, last week against the Rams, which nobody saw coming. Um, but, I, you know, I just wonder, as the season matriculates into the final month and a half of, this, of the regular season, whether or not that loss of Derrick Henry is going to be as massive as I think it's going to be. So right now, absolutely. I mean, and I think that's the only thing you can say about the NFL is, yes, right now, as we, as we talk today – I think Tennessee is the most uh, complete or best team in football. But I have no idea if that means two weeks from now or three weeks from now we'll still be saying the same thing. Trey, one team I've been – and we had to do our midseason predictions for CBS, and I'm the stubborn mule. I've been like this all year, no matter if they were two and three or whatever. The Kansas City Chiefs are still going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And after Sunday, it kind of looks like everything's coming back together for them. Well, another example of everybody needs to calm down, right? Because I've been on this, like, I, this has been my pet peeve all year. So you, you really, you, you struck the nerve with me. Bear with me on this for a second. The amount of hot take gas bagging that yeah. I've seen about Patrick Mahomes has made me want to puke, okay? If we're, if we're being honest about it, let's just be honest about it. Through the first six games of the season, through the first six games of 2021, the Chiefs offense was having, was scoring more points per game generating more yards per game, had a better third down conversion rate and a better red zone touchdown conversion rate than either the previous two years when they went to back-to-back -back Super Bowls. So for six games, everything was great except for turnovers. And that happens. Like, people forget in 2010, Peyton's last year 
as an active member of the Colts. Over a three-game span, all three losses. You know how many interceptions he threw and three straight losses in 2010? Want to take a guess? Ooh. Yeah, Six or seven? Lot. 11. Oh. Yeah. He oh. threw 11. In a th- four, three, and four. Lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Patriots, and I can't remember who the other one was. He threw 11. It got so bad that then the radio play-by-play guy, Bob Laney, actually said this on, on air. He said, we need to get Curtis Painter in there. Ooh. And I was like, okay, you need to stop, okay? <laughs> and, and, no one, and no one was saying, the, the Colts offense is broken. Peyton doesn't know what he's doing. Fundamentally, they have no clue. Football is hard. The other team gets paid, and sometimes the bleep goes sideways. That's just what happens. And that's what happened over a three-game stretch for the Kansas City Chiefs. And what happens last night? Patrick Mahomes figured it out. Oh, by the way, don't go broke taking profits. Travis Kelsey's underneath. Fine. I'll hit him a bunch. And then, oh, by the way, that'll open up everything else, including that ridiculous third and, through, third and two touchdown uh, to Williams, which was just a thing of beauty. He threw for 400 yards and five touchdowns and no interceptions. So I think we all just need to just back off and realize that what we've seen for three and a half seasons for, out of Patrick Mahomes, where he was the fastest uh, to 15,000 yards, where he was the youngest to ever throw for 50 touchdowns, where he was he had the most yards and the most touchdown passes through his first 50 games, maybe, maybe that should be uh, weighted a little more than three bad games. And just, and, like, oh, play oh, by the, the way, long game here. Oh, by the way, Andy Reid's got a pretty good track record, too. You had the that, that, feeling he was going to get it, get right. it ironed like, out. Like, you're, you're, are you really trying to tell me that the guy who has – 100 wins for two two different franchises. And Andy Reid, the only coach who can make that claim, 100 wins for two different franchises, who is, outside of Bruce Arians, the quarterback whisperer in the NFL. Every quarterback he's ever had had his best seasons under Andy Reid. And you're really trying to tell me that the Chiefs' offense is broken and those two guys don't know what you're doing? Get out of here with that. Come on. Agreed. All right, Trey, I'm going to take you back to your roots a little bit. You did a phenomenal job for a decade hosting the NFL draft for ESPN. And while you might not be hosting it this year, once it's in your blood, you never get it out. I'm sure you're keeping an eye on the college players and projecting who's going to become a good NFL player. And no one does it more so than myself. And I love to judge the quarterbacks and see what I think they'll do at the next level. It was a question that we certainly entertained here in Philadelphia coming into the year because we didn't know what Jalen Hurt was going to be. We still don't quite know what Jalen Hurts is going to be, but he's coming off a good week. So we don't want to go too deep in depth with this. But your evaluation of the quarterback draft this year, good one, okay one, under par one. I know we've got more games to go in the combine and everything else, but as we sit here today, what kind of quarterback draft do you think we're looking at? Well, I think what we've seen last year is going to be the, the, the quarterback draft going forward. It's going to be an overdrafted position every year. Like, that's just the nat- – like, the NFL is now about five positions. It's about the passer, the pass receiver, uh, the guy blocking for the passer, the guy trying to tackle the passer. And that's, that's basically the game right now, okay? Uh, guards, linebackers, safeties, they don't really matter as much as at running backs as much as they had in the past. So I think every year you're going to see what we saw in the 2021 draft is you're going to have a lot of quarterbacks go in the first round based on potential instead of actual performance. And I think that what we're seeing in 2021 is a cautionary tale 
about all these quarterbacks. They were all hyped up, right? They're, oh, Trevor Lawrence can't miss. Zach Wilson was amazing. Trey Lance is going to do all these wonderful things. Justin Fields, you know, can have all this stuff. There's only one quarterback that's been, as a rookie, that's been good. It's been Mac Jones. Uh, and he was the one that people thought probably shouldn't go in the first round. Quarterbacks will always be overdrafted because of the way the game is played. And that's never going to change going forward until the NFL decides to go back to the Stone Age and we're going to take Jim Browns and Emmett Smiths. And that's the way we're going to we're going to play football. So whatever you saw last year in the draft, that's going to be lather, rinse, repeat. Quarterbacks will be drafted often and probably overdrafted. And then we'll realize all the stuff we thought we saw in preseason that was really good wasn't really that good because a preseason game is the same as an NFL regular season game, the same way that a tofu burger and a sirloin beef burger are the same sandwich. They're both burgers, but they could not be more different. You got a point. Speaking of the draft quarterback, Stray, uh, to me, uh, the name I keep hearing is Kenny Pickett. And yeah. whether how high he gets drafted is always going to be up for debate. But if we're going to be honest, where should Kenny Pickett be drafted right now? Listen, man, uh, I'll, I, I, I have, I've taken a different approach to this now going forward. I take the Zen philosopher approach. We'll see. Like I, okay. there's a million, like, you know, trades, injuries, retirements, uh, you know, that always dictates what happens in the draft. And I, all I know is that he's going to be going in the first round and probably four other guys are probably going to go in the first round. That, that's the best, that's the best, most honest answer I can give you on the draft. It's going to be, it's going to be quarterback heavy and probably a bunch of them that go in the first round shouldn't go in the first round. Fair enough. We're going to get you on plenty between now and the draft if yep. uh, schedules allow, but we will hold your feet to the fire come April. Wingo, you're Done. not going to be able to just put up a is an answer by the time we get to April. Here in November, not a problem, but we will Correct. hold your feet to the fire a little bit more when we get closer to the draft. All right, uh, last thing. I've been following your stuff that you're doing for Caesars now on yep. your Twitter account, which has been great. Halle Berry, how did you pull that off? You're doing uh, spots with Halle Berry. You're looking uh, at the, the, the maybe most jealous man on the planet right now. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. That was a good day. Uh, Kenny and I went out there. <laughs> Kenny, and Kenny, Kenny and I went out there. We did a shoot uh, with uh, the Mannings and Halle Berry and J.B. Smooth, who plays uh, who plays Caesar. Uh, there's a couple of spots coming up in the next few weeks. Some days are better than others, Jody. That's yeah. the best way I can describe it. That was a really good day. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Not only by your picture on Twitter, but uh, just in life in general. All right, uh, give us the details on your YouTube show. How often do you put it up? Uh, where can everybody see it? Please give us uh, the details. Sure, absolutely. Half Forgotten History. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. My YouTube page is Trey Wingo Presents. We just crossed 5 million views on it. Uh, we're closing in on 5.5 million. Uh, we're in season five right now. Some great guest Hall of Famers coming up, and we're already taping through season six. Uh, we post once a week every Thursday. So Trey Wingo presents on my YouTube page, your Half Forgotten History, wherever you get your podcast. Right now, uh, Joe Thomas is up, uh, the great offensive lineman for the Cleveland Browns, who had over 10,000 consecutive snaps before his, his uh, career ended. And he tells a great story of Peyton Manning asking him to go poop on his general manager's desk so he can get traded out of Cleveland and go to Denver. Damn, I, we are going to have to check that out. That's a great tease. All right, before we let you go, check the Fitbit. How many steps have you gotten in since the uh, uh, started? We're, uh, we're, we're crossing 6,000, trying to get to 20,000 each day, so we're getting there. Very nice. Uh, glad we could uh, join you for 6,000 of them. Thank you very much for joining us, Trey. Always a pleasure, buddy. 
All right. Always good to see you guys. Take care. That is Trey Wingo, uh, former ESPN uh, draft host, uh, football analyst, football guy, uh, doing his stuff on his own these days and doing it quite well. Check his, check his, uh, what, uh, I got to get his, Trey Wingo. You punch up Trey Wingo on the search on Twitter. It's like Trey Yez, or I don't know exactly what his uh, handle is, but him and Halle Berry, he's got a picture of he and Halle Berry in a Caesars type outfit for Halle Berry. God damn it. Some guys just have it good. And Trey Wingo is a guy who deserves to have it good. And uh, he's good enough to come on with us every once in a while here on Birds 365. All right, Jeff Curry, Jerry McDonald. We still got one segment left. Come on back. We got a big bow to put on this show here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. We are Birds 365, your home for Philadelphia Eagle Talk. And we love doing Victorious Monday talk. After an eagle win, uh, we thank both of our two guests. Great job out of both Paul Domwich and Trey Wingo. 
And it's so funny. Uh, Trey didn't get the ESPN till after I left, which was 30 plus years ago. Uh, but we had so many mutual friends, people that I know that stuck around. And him, he and I struck struck up a uh, uh, quasi friendship. And he was been, always been good enough to say yes when I asked him to come on the shows, and he did today. And hey, I will take all our guests and their Fitbit outside walking, holding their phone, if they're as good at it as Trey was, because uh, I truly do appreciate his uh, hopping aboard and his insight. All right, one of the things we didn't uh, get a chance to do with Trey because we ran out of time was the upcoming. I asked him about the quarterback position in the upcoming draft and how it's going to play for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts coming off a good game. The talk will probably die down a little bit. If he comes back and doesn't play well against the Saints, the talk will heat up again next week. It's a week-to-week thing, not only in the outcome of NFL games, but looking forward to the draft. This week, Jeff, not a good week for the Eagles as far as the draft goes. Uh, The Dolphins won, major surprise for me on Thursday night against the Ravens. The Colts won. There's an upside-downside to that. And, of course, the Eagles won, which you want to see, but every time you win, it drops you down a little bit uh, in the draft. I did just punch it up on uh, Tankathon, the up, most up-to-date uh, rankings of where the NFL draft sits. The Dolphins are down to the fifth pick as of right now, which the Eagles own. Uh, the Eagles presently sit with the 11th pick as their own pick, and the Colts with a win now would draft number 15 out of 32 just a couple of weeks ago. It looked like, hey, we can get all three of these picks into the top 10. Maybe not. Two of them now outside the top 10. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I want to see the Dolphins lose. Um, uh, It was the upside to the Colts thing. At 5-5 and now, I tweeted this out yesterday at the end of the game. Um, The only thing that will keep the Eagles from getting the Colts first-round draft pick is a Carson Wentz injury, which we know full well here in Philadelphia is a distinct possibility. We saw enough of them during his time here in Philly to know it could happen. Um, they're going to play him. Uh, I know my partner, Jay Mack, uh, kept saying, you know that they're if they're not in the mix, they're going to sit him. There's no way that general manager gives up that first-round pick. They'll put him on the bet. It's not happening. They're going to stay in the mix. Now that they're 5-5, five and five, they're not going to catch Tennessee – but they're going to stay in the mix for the wild card. Carson Wentz is going to play all season for the uh, Colts, which means 75% is going to be no issue. The Eagles are getting their first-round pick. I have to tell Giant Mac, they're like three games away from this happening right now. I, I forget what the total projected snap number is. It's I think it's got to be at least 58 59% right now, and it goes up about 6% every game. So they're they're three games away from this happening. Carson Wentz, you know, knock on wood, um, has been – healthy this year. Uh, but you're right. They are not benching him for a performance or B for a draft pick. They are in the thick of this and they have a bunch of tough games coming up, but they can split those games or, I mean, they're a good enough team with John Taylor right now to go three and one in that stretch. I know they got the Patriots coming up. They got a couple other games coming up, but they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. They, they I don't want to say they survived the gauntlet of an early schedule, but they definitely kind of, held serve a bit you know it, it, the season did go off the rails when they started though in three they, they kind of bounced back there they got to play the jets they got to play you know these afc i think they got the bills coming up soon so there's a couple big games on there for the colts uh that could alter the trajectory of their season but carson wentz might be at 75 by that yeah one of the guys uh on the stream just asked the question is 70 percent again for those of you who don't remember 75 percent of all snaps during the regular season 
unless the Colts make the playoffs. If the Colts do make the playoffs, then it's only 70% of the snaps. He's going to be up in the 80s, 90s, somewhere thereabouts. He's missed one snap all year so far. Don't sweat it, Eagle fans. The Eagles are going to get that cult first-round draft pick. All right. Um, this week coming up, the biggest question mark for the Eagles is Dallas Goddard's health. Is that what you would say, J uh, JK? No, I would say Dallas Goddard's health, but I'll go with this um, because it was my biggest question going into the Denver game. Can Jalen Hurts – throw the ball well, again, against a really good pass defense, especially if the run gets stopped. Well, the run didn't get stopped, and Nick Sirianni went, came out slinging a little bit in the first half, and Jalen Hurts is up to the task. And I know he had Dallas Goddard for a lot of that first half, but not not most of that second quarter. So maybe it's about 50-50 there. Can he do it against, in my mind, just as good and not a better pass defense with a familiar friend than Malcolm Jenkins there? And the Saints didn't have uh, – uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson last week, it kind of affected him a bit, but can he do this again? Can he stay, as Trey Wingo put it, consistent? If he can, win or lose, that's a good sign for the Eagles. And he was pretty damn consistent with his passage yesterday. Give him a, a ton of credit. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if uh, the coach is going to speak to the media today. Sometimes they push it back when they're coming from the West Coast. Uh, my guess is it'll be sometime later on this afternoon, or uh, hopefully at least that's the case. Um, matchup, Nick Sirianni against Sean Payton. I like Nick, and I'm getting buoyed by what Nick is doing, and I've defended the guy since the day he was hired here in town. Yeah, this is one where I got to say the Eagles are going to have to overachieve to win this matchup because I'm a big Sean Payton fan. Is that fair to Nick Sirianni this week? I'm a big Sean Payton fan, too. In fact, he's the first coach in NFL history to retweet me. So, really? <laughs> yeah, so I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I But, yeah, the Saints won with a third-string quarterback with a – you know, with guys on the practice, but I forget how I worded it. And uh, the next day it goes, oh, Coach Sean Payton retweeted you. And uh, I said, like, that's a hell of a win for Sean Payton. And, you know, I guess he's tuning his own horn a little bit over what he did against Tampa Bay. And I, I like Sean Payton. I think he's a great interview. He answers every question. You, you put on there. I've been in on a couple of his Zoom conferences before. The guy likes to talk, and he doesn't like to hide anything. Is you know, he'll tell you if you know. I remember Diane Rossini kind of said, "Oh, Taysom Hill's got they got package to place with Taysom Hill." I'm like, all you got to do is ask Sean Payton. He'll tell you. Like he, he's a straight shooter, comes straight from the horse's mouth. You know, I, you don't need a source for him. And it, it, it's funny. Like I always, I always liked him. I thought it was funny how he got slimed last year after the Nickelodeon game. He seemed to embrace the whole thing and he goes why wasn't one of our guys mvp and they're like the kids voted and he's just like oh that shouldn't be right you know and he's all getting on a tangent about that after his team blows out chicago in a playoff game i i always enjoyed trump Payton. i mean the guy kicked an onside kick in the to start the second half of a super bowl him and right. doug peterson i can see why they're friends I give him a ton of credit uh, for that and all of the coaching he's done in the National Football League. I'll give you my Sean Payton story real quick. Uh, we're running a little low on time here, but well worth retelling. Had him on, I don't know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago on one of my radio shows. And it's one of those things that hit home so much that you keep retelling it. The Saints had had a less than stellar year. Um, they weren't expected to be great, but they had had a – uh injuries at the beginning of the season they weren't going to make the playoffs but they won their last two or three games and looked better doing so and i asked sean payton can you take those last couple of games and bring that momentum forward into next season 
And it was just the blatant way that it, he said it that struck me. He goes, of course not, Jody. He said, but I will tell you that. Like, stupid question there, Big Mac. Good job. Um, he said, here's what you can do. You take those last couple of games of the season and you carry that over into your off-season program. And if you get good off-season participation and you get the guys on the same page and you build up a little camaraderie, then you carry that into the opening of training camp. And if you, again, achieve your goals and put certain things in place and get it done, well, then you can take that into the preseason. And then if in preseason you don't get hurt, you do it, then you can take it into the regular season. You're jumping straight from the end of one regular season to the beginning of another. Oh, no, no. There's a whole bunch of steps in there. So my answer is to you, not really, but sort of. And it was like one of the best answers I had ever gotten in all my years of doing interviews and the like. And it always struck home with me that a guy like Sean Payton would understand that and would get that. He's a very good coach. So the Eagles are up against it. I would say that Nick Sirianni has done well against some coaches so far that can be outcoached. I like Matt Rule, but he's still a young guy, wet behind the years. Vic Fangio, great defensive coordinator. Don't know if he's a great head coach. He's matched up against a uh, great head coach this week. All right, we'll also hear from Jonathan Gannon. Is he taking bows for the Eagles' defensive effort this week, or does he uh, play a little bit of a lowbrow type thing? You know, I don't think he'll take too much praise for it. I think he'll – honestly, I think he'll just look at it. Look, this is what our defense does, and, yeah, we made a couple adjustments. I think he'll say we blitz more, but I honestly think it's more of the quarterback they face. I mean, Justin Herbert's really good. We all know that. Tom Brady's really good. We all know that. Pat Rome's really good. We all know that. Derek Carr's a good quarterback, too. I know he didn't look at last night, but it just seems like this defense is built to succeed when they face quarterbacks that aren't good, a.k.a. Teddy Bridgewater. Sean Payne wants Trevor Simeon ready to play, so that kind of scares me a little bit. But outside of Simeon, which is crazy, to think in week 11, I'm saying Trevor Simeon it might be the best quarterback the Eagles have faced for the next month or so. And you did mention that earlier, and I noted that last night, too. The Saints didn't lose yesterday because of Trevor Simeon. I know they missed out on the two-point conversion that would have tied it and given them a chance to get the game into overtime. He played well enough, down a couple of key pieces. He's doing so without his number one running back, which makes his job that much harder. No, that wasn't re the reason that the Saints lost yesterday. Um, so I'm, although I've never been a huge Trevor Simeon fan, I got to give him credit. He's played serviceable, serviceable football the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, you're right. This is not going to be a game where they just come in and, and dominate the uh, opposing team's quarterback. Unless I'm wrong, and Trevor Simeon stinks. And then we'll be talking about another Eagles win next Monday. Uh, Jeff Kerr, good job out of you. Thank you very much for hopping into J-Max chair today. Uh, we'll probably get you on a little later in the week. You know Johnny has that COVID testing thing. Looking forward to talking to you then. Thanks, buddy. I'll be bragging about different Eagles uniform combinations. I, I love how they went with the black pants yesterday with the white shirt. They got to change up. Green on green, Jody. Let's do it. All right, Curry must follow on Twitter. Guys, uh, get following Jeff Immediatamente. All right, thanks for tuning in on this victorious Monday, Birds 365. Myself and Johnny back. be back in 22 hours from now. See you then. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.